that introduction. That's week two. It doesn't get old. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, guys. What a blessing. Speaking of a blessing, let's review week one because that was that verse we, we paused at. And it was, uh, it was quite an eye-opener. It, it was kind of a, it wasn't a doom and gloom service, but it was like, yeah, anytime I have to forego my agenda for Christ, it's, it's, it costs me something. And so that, that verse just kind of like pulverized me last week and the week before that I was studying it. So the memory verse last week was whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So you're going to bear his cross. You're going to take it up daily to follow him. We learned that taking up his cross was a death sentence. It's what the Romans would have seen it as, what the Jews would have seen it as, especially if they're carrying the cross a bit before their crucifixion. Like Jesus did. And so, is it warm in here? Everybody's fanning. Could we get the air on, please? Oh, it's on? Is it broke? Okay, okay. So anyway, we've got, uh, and follow me. Um, I know this week that was on my heart, that when I wanted to love someone, I could do it with the kind of love that Christ had somewhat, that agape, that sacrificial love. And it paid dividends every time I could implement it and use it with my wife and with others. Pretty powerful. If you just kind of take a step out and say, okay, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And we just kind of, we kind of lose ourselves in Christ. It's that sanctification. Once you're born again and justified, then you're set apart for this holiness and this journey to be holy as he's holy. Easier said than done, but we spend a lifetime doing it until he comes back or until he takes us home. Hey, speaking of taking up your cross, so we've got Serena, okay, in the front row. Later, you're going to come up for a little illustration um, with my son-in-law. What? You've embedded your son-in-law into the sermon? Golly, you do that every time somebody news here. No, just kidding. Just my son-in-law. He's got his doctorate, so you'll be in great hands. You'll be in great hands, just like Pastor Jack Bracey. You'll be in great hands when I'm not up here. Matter of fact, but Pastor, just stay there. Just stay there. Let him talk some more. It's a, he's going to be gone. Let him talk. Anyway, denying yourself. Um, we've got this, this young cherub, and we've got Serena. We've got, we've got Eden. You know who Eden is? Okay, Gary and Carrie's daughter. They're, they're young. They're in middle school, or they're not yet middle school? Elementary. And they're hosting Bible studies at their public school at lunch. Here's a conversation that took place uh, by Grandma Donna uh, that we'll just capture a little bit of here that you might get to be blessed by. See if they're, uh, they're doing that. It helps when it's on. Oh, gracious. Hey, how did Bible study go? Bible study went great. There was like 15 people there. Yeah. 15? We need, yes. um... We made 20 invitations. Well, I brought then, like, you... almost everybody went, and some people, most people were absent because they were still eating their lunch. Wow. 
And a lot more came. And a lot more came to see what was going on out there. Oh. So I have two extra Bibles. How many more do you need? I four. We need four. You need four more we Bibles? Need six Bibles. We need six. Okay, so here's two. And I've got you sticky notes and page uh, markers for the wow. Bibles. So Thanks, you can tell what you Look read. Yeah, put those in your notebook so you have them. Okay. okay, tell me again what they said, Eden. What did the kids say? So they were really excited, and we told them, like, we're doing it every Thursday starting week after next. Cause, you know, Thursday, tomorrow, break. is National Bible Study Day. Really? That's crazy. Oh, my wow. gosh. Um, also, like... I told them about Trunk or Treat, and they uh -huh. were all so excited, and I said, oh. I'd be passing flyers out week oh, after next. Week. Well, there's um, a few flyers you have, So since like 15 people came, if all 20 come next time, I was gonna see if you can, um, if when we get home, if we can find out more of those. Well, we'll talk to your mom. Your mom's you in charge of that. So, also, do none of these kids have Bibles? Um, a lot of a them lot do. Of them and they're bringing them, but you need yeah. you needed six. I gave you two. Some people today, do have so. Bibles, but their parents don't let them bring them to school. Oh. So I said, well, I can give you one, and they're like, okay. Or bring one for them to read. Uh -huh. For share like, it. yeah, to share it. And so yeah. my back's gonna be cool. sore for the next <laughs> however okay. weeks they take them home. Well, I'm so proud of you, girls. And let's just. Wow. Yeah. The, the kids that couldn't come, did you hear them? Were still eating lunch. <laughs> what commitment's that? <laughs> Backsliders? <laughs> no, just kidding. I mean, the kids have to eat lunch. But uh, so that's, that's denying self, putting the good of others first. And so it just fit with last week beautifully. So thank you. And uh, Eden as well. Hey, so... Uh, I know it's hit and miss on the cartoons, and so brace, I'll brace myself. So uh, Adam and Eve, uh, it's his fault. It's her fault. Hey, wondering who might have benefited from one more premarital counseling session? Uh, gosh, does that fall in the courtesy laughs? Or is that, was that actually kind of a little bit funny? Kind of a little bit funny? You can always get the teens to tell you the truth. There you go, okay, I'll do better next time. Sarcasm. Sarcasm, that's right, that's right, that's right. Hey, week number two, the memory verse, John 15, 5, and today's big idea. Hey, what's the big idea? <laughs> Here it is. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So that, that was your study this week. And if you need a discipleship book still, I'll get you one today. No problem. But it's week two. Abiding in him. Dwelling in him. Hanging with Jesus. And letting him hang with us. It's interesting that cover that in the text both ways. A picture of your life in a grapevine. Here we go. We've got the vine dresser. He's in the story today. That's going to be the father. The father, the father does the pruning. 
And he does it to those of us that are producing fruit. That's the father. He's the farmer. He cultivates the ground. And so that's, that's pretty powerful. The vine, Jesus. And then the branches, us. The idea is to have fruit. Fruit on the vine. To bear much fruit. That's the idea. And we're going we're gonna to talk through that a little bit. We're going to talk through that, well, a lot today. But that's just a picture because visuals, they really do help the brain retain. Ooh, that might be good on a t-shirt. Okay. Yeah, and you can use it if you'd like. I know you probably won't. Um, just because it's, uh, it's not everybody's passion. Hey, John 14, 31 through 15, 8. That's our text. John 14? What are you doing the last verse there for? That's odd. Well, not really. Let's find out what happened here. So, hey, in verse 31, Jesus says, rise, let us go from here. Where is Jesus at this time? He's in the, the upper room discourse, celebrating the, what would be the last Passover, Passover with his disciples, with his apostles. And he's taken them from Passover meal to Last Supper. He's instituting the Last Supper. He's changing everything. For this would be their last official Passover. See, Jesus is that great sacrificial Passover lamb who died for you and me and for them. So yeah, we've got uh, who? Jesus and the apostles. We've got how many? Well, here's the thing. How many do you think they started with in the upper room at that last meal? I heard it. How many? Twelve? I don't know who said that, but that was brilliant. What a, what a nice little voice back there. Yeah, twelve. How many did they leave with? <coughs> Eleven. Who left? Who had to go get ice cream? Yeah, no, and he wasn't getting ice cream. He was going to sell Jesus out for money, for money. And he did just that. And if you, if you go home today and, and you look at, at where Judas's life went after that, not good, not good. So as you, as you look through on the bulletin, you follow through and you see blanks that you can fill in. Um, and I, I don't specifically underline it because I, I want you to read the text and actually not just be mechanical and put in blanks because you can get it to where I filled in all the blanks. I don't know what it said. I just, I just am good at filling in the blanks. I want you to read it. I want you to read it and discern and decipher there. Very important there. Hey, I am the true vine. Whew. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So he's going to prune you and I if we're born again and we're producing fruit. He's going to still prune us. Ouch. You know, that's the plan. And the reason is so we can produce more fruit, more fruit, more fruit. There must be something about producing more fruit that brings blessing. 
It brings blessing into our life. It honors God and it brings blessing into our life. Oh, we hang our hats on that. Oh, that's a great place. He says in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I keep seeing this theme, abide, abide, dwell, communicate, talk with Jesus, hang with Jesus, read about Jesus, pray and connect with Jesus. This is it. This seems to be the key to abiding, to staying, to remaining in him. And remember that promise, 1 John 2, 28. If he comes back today and we're abiding, we'll stand confidently and boldly before him and not shy away at his coming. Now that's reason for holy living. Holy living. So picture this. The apostles left the upper room. Well, 11 of them. And Jesus. And they went out walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had some business to do there. The apostles needed to sleep. So it says. And so what we see here is they're on their way to the garden, and Jesus is teaching on the way. Fair enough. Look at this passage. Study it well, because I've got some questions for you. Is Jesus God? In this passage, is Jesus God? Somebody says, I don't think he's God in this passage. Is he God in this passage? And if yes, explain. That's what I hated with the teachers when I grew up. So I could say yes or no, I had a 50-50 shot. Then it came turn to explain, and I, I never could explain. I was always good at guessing. Never could explain why. I, I wasn't a deep thinker. Okay, um, so anybody here? Okay, there is. There is a divinity. There is a deity connection here. And we must know it before we go on. Here we go. Exodus 3. The context, God setting up Moses to deliver his peeps. That's our version. Um, from Egypt. Okay? Getting ready to use Moses to have Israel delivered from the Egyptians. Okay? To, to face Pharaoh. Then Moses said to God, this is early stages, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? This is what God says. God says to Moses, I am who I am. It's God's name. It's God's name. So wait a second. Where, where did it say, I am? First one, I am the true vine. The first one. And it says it again, verse 5. I believe that's the memory verse that should come right back to mind. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So now we've got a situation here. It's like, tell me more about this I am. Tell me more. Look at this. Jesus is talking to some Jews some religious leaders, and look what Jesus says. Oh, take this and, and chew on this. Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
Before Abraham was I am. Do you see why they wanted to stone Jesus? He's, he's claiming to be God. The son of God. God himself. Wow. Plain as day. Look at this. When Jesus said to them, this is the context here where he's about to be arrested. Okay? And so Jesus said to them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. I am. I am. It's God. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus also says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm not even getting to the deity of Christ passages in <laughs> excuse me, Colossians 2, 9. I mean, it just goes on and on. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Some people knock at my door. They come with suits. And they say, Jesus is not God. I say, yes, he is. No, he's not. Well, let's go through these passages. No, don't have time. Uh, but will you take our pamphlet? Well, I really shouldn't. Um, and so can, we just, can I just pray for you? No, that's okay. Okay, see you later. But he's God. I mean, he's God. He's God. And uh, that's who we're worshiping today. So we're excited about that today. I am the eternally existent one. I am, I exist as an eternally self-existent and immutable being who always was and always and will always be. So you know what? Some people call that aseity, the aseity of God. Those are attributes. The aseity of God are attributes, incommunicable. We don't possess them. You go, yeah, I possess them. I possess them. It's like, well, you're eternally self-existent. Can we talk about that maybe? <laughs> uh, you're immutable. You never change. Uh, so no. So they're not communicable attributes. They're incommunicable attributes. And so these are things that we praise him even more for. Yesterday at the men's group, we talked about the difference between praise and thanking God. And praising God is at a higher level. It's at a higher intensity and level. Because it's who he is. Not just thanking him for the donuts. And we did that too. And we did that too. But you see the difference? You see the difference? <laughs> okay, finally. Hey, this Jesus, John 3, 16 and 17. Somebody look that up and read it. If we don't do a state change, some of you are going to be like, well, where am I going to lunch? The guy's been talking a long time. He's up and down. His voice is all over the place. Somebody read John 3, 16 and 17. Because this is that same Jesus. This is that one that we're praising. This is the one, the I am, the great I am. But listen to these verses. Listen to why he came. Listen to what he did. Who has it? Nice and loud. For God so loved the world, he was one and only Son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life in Jesus, the great I am. Keep going. Didn't send his son to condemn the world. That's good news for us. And everybody before us and in the future. Save the world through you. Save the world through him. He's 
come to knock at your door. Okay? He's come to knock at your door. And I don't, I don't use that Revelation 3.19 passage to say, I stand at the door at knock, because I think that's more for fellowship, and I don't want to butcher the scripture there. But he is knocking at your door if you don't know him personally. This is that love Jesus. This is that love Jesus. 100% love, mercy, justice. This is that Jesus. And he's calling you into a relationship with him. Praise the Lord. Okay, here we go. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Okay, learn that at the beginning a little bit. Now, the true vine. Who's the not-so-true vine? Well, no, 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 no. Let's see here. Who would you guess is the other not-so-true vine that these disciples are familiar with? Israel. Israel. They're the degenerate vine. They're his call. I know, I know. It sounds funny, but they are. Northern kingdom got judged, hit the road. Southern kingdom got judged, Hit the road. He'll bring back a remnant. And he'll do it through a Persian king. Let them come back and rebuild the temple. But he judged them. This is Mosaic law. If you're born again, if you have Jesus in your heart, you're not, you're not under that Mosaic law. You're under the new covenant of Jesus and his sacrifice. You could call upon his sacrifice to atone for your sin. I don't know about you, but if there's not rip-roar and excitement inside, something's got you distracted. <laughs> Israel, Psalms 80. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. That's the good part. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by picks its grapes, boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it? Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke for your people, at your rebuke, your people perish. This, this is that vine. Do you see why Jesus is the better true vine? We can't get saved under a covenant with Israel. No, that was a disaster. But we knew, and God knew from the beginning, him and his son having this love relationship before time, John 17, 5 and John 17, 24. Oh, yeah. God knew from the beginning that his son, Jesus, was going to come and have to die and to atone for our sin, to be finally the perfect sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. Psalms 80, Israel's waywardness. It's one of a plethora of verses. Just a total, total plethora of verses. Idolatry, selfishness, ignoring the poor, ignoring the poor, ignoring the poor. No bueno. I know that much in Spanish. Okay, let's go back here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he cuts off. That seems harsh. Let's just think in context here. In context. Jesus and his apostles. One, one is wayward. 
One betrays him. One takes a hike. One leaves to sell him out. The rest are coming along learning this parable. Or not parable. Learning this, uh, what do we call it? Josh, what do we call it? What is it? A lesson. Okay. <laughs> See, <laughs> learning this lesson. This, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so we've got, we've got the one that was wayward. One did not stay around. The text seems to give evidence to me that the one that didn't stay around never knew Jesus intimately. And I'll tell you why. Never knew Jesus intimately. And I'll tell you why here. So we're thinking context here. Which disciple would be the one that was cut off the vine? Judas. Judas. Take a look at this. Matthew 26, 24. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. I believe that's a description of somebody who's not born again. Who's, who we won't see in heaven. My opinion, you can have a different one and that's okay. We can agree to disagree. But, but that's where I go with this. That's what I see here. The context is too soon. From the upper room meal, the last supper, to this, to this lesson. <laughs> Won't forget that one. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so here we see this. So let's, uh, let's go see what's next for us here. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Okay? Cuts back, purifies, that it may bear more fruit. So this is where it gets interesting. We're going to be pruned. We're going to be pruned if we're born again and we're producing fruit. We're going to get pruned by the Father so we can produce more fruit. Joshy, would you come up and just elaborate on that? You've got to always have something that's really fresh and good, and uh, it would give us a beautiful state change for our brain to be able to listen to that. Well, thank you guys so much for having me be able to come and be with you guys today. Free time. Um, I want to talk about Jesus, uh, but this is a unique opportunity I have to speak about Don and Dennis, and I just want to say really briefly uh, Don is actually like this all the time. <laughs> like, literally all the time. There's no difference. There's no difference between Don this morning and Don at 1 a.m. in the house. So, uh, we're super grateful for that. Uh, Don and Dennis actually are a massive encouragement uh, to us and to our family. They're the best in laws ever. Uh, they're the best grandparents ever. So we're just super grateful for Thank them you, to Jesus. be here with you today. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but Don just shared about how fruitless branches get cut, cut off and thrown away. Um, so you might be thinking to yourself, well, what about the fruitful branches, Jesus? What is life like for someone who has a fruitful life where uh, when, when I'm living life, I'm seeing life spring up through my ministry, uh, through the relationships that I'm investing in. Uh, what is that life like? That life must be awesome, like Disneyland. It must be like the kind of place where bad things don't happen, where everything just runs smooth. I pray and the Lord answers and we just keep on moving and lockstep and we're never cut. We never face hard things. Is that the Christianity that you've experienced? That has not been my life. 
Uh, my life is you come to Jesus and that's when you really understand what it is to be cut. And, and so here, I think what Jesus wants to be really clear about at the onset is it's not a difference between getting cut and not getting cut. The real difference is uh, what does that cutting look like and is it meaningful and purposeful or is that cutting something that leads to an eternity that's in separation from God? Uh, well, uh, Don, he, he likes uh, to have really good illustrations, doesn't he? And so he asked if I could help with the illustration of that today. Uh, he really just wants me to focus on half a verse. Uh, that's because he knows how much I like to preach and he wants to keep it short. And so he said, at first, could you do uh, like one verse? And then he thought about it some more. He said, maybe just half a verse. And so he said, could you just cover in every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. Or every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And so that's what I'm supposed to be talking about here briefly. What about these fruitful branches. Uh, how do we understand them and God's relationship to them? Well, I have an illustration for you. Uh, but what I need is I need a, a volunteer. Uh, my son said he would do it if someone else wouldn't volunteer. And, uh, you said you would volunteer? And what is your name? Serena. Was that you in the video? Wow. Okay. You're a great illustrator. Okay. How old are you? Nine. Would you be willing to come up for just a second for this illustration? Okay. Very good. Um, so what we want to do is we want to do an illustration here just to think about the nature of God and how He prunes us. So uh, God is the gardener in this illustration, right? Uh, he is the one who is making those united to the true vine, Jesus Christ, more fruitful by pruning them. Now, uh, I wanted uh, to use an illustration with some pruning shears. Uh, I had to fly here. And so the ones that I wanted to use, they wouldn't allow my check bag to like this big. So you just have to get that image in your mind. Uh, instead, when I got here, I had to just pick up what was resourceful, which is these, uh, which might make this illustration a little bit more painful. Uh, but here's, here's what I want to do. Uh, you trust the gardener. I'm the gardener. I'm pretending to be God, which is, you get this illustration. Um, so what I need to do is, if, if I, if you'd be willing to let me, you trust me just to prune your pain. just a little bit of the pee. I've done this with my son Jack before. Jack? So, so you, wouldn't, you don't want your pee pruned, right? But your mom here? Okay. Would you be okay if I pruned your pee this morning? No, why not? A beautiful pee That's right. That's right. It's beautiful. That would mess up. And it, it would hurt, right? And you love your daughter. Yeah, so she doesn't want her to get her. Okay, well, you can sit down. You're not going to be able to help me in the way that I want you to do it. Now, you are meant to be. But when you think about the nature of pruning, you all, I think that if you really have the Spirit of God in you, long to be fruitful in your lives, you want to believe that you were made for something. You want to believe that the Lord is at work in and through you so that you are actually making other lives better. It's not just that you're not making them worse, but that you're actually making them better. And, and so uh, you're thinking, well, what does that look like in relationship with the Lord? Uh, what does it look like to be a fruitful Christian? Well, it means pruning. It means that the Lord is doing things that if we had the choice of whether or not to be cut, we would not. And even more, uh, 
Have you ever had the, the, the observation of having someone you love go through pain and wish that you could take it on yourself and stop it, but you couldn't? And yet, knowing that this, in this case, is someone who loves the Lord, and you're like, why would the Lord do this to someone that, that He loves? Well, well, this is why. It's because it's through these things that the Lord is actually pruning you to bring about more fruit in your life. And it's in those moments when you're getting cut often that you start asking big questions about God, right? So, is God good? in what He's doing in my life right now. It doesn't feel like He's good. Is He good? And, and what this verse says is, oh, He's good. He is always good. In fact, He's working all things together for the good of those who love Him. Even bad things like getting cut. What about, uh, is God wise? Does He really know what He's doing? Like, it feels like He doesn't know what He's doing. Or is He in control? It doesn't feel like He's in control right now. If He was, He wouldn't do this. Why? Because I'm wise enough to know what the all-wise God ought to be doing. Is it possible that God can bring about any good for us, for me or for others? See, here in this verse, what we find is, is that the Lord is actually able to do some of His most beautiful, glorious work in some of the most painful places of our lives. The Lord, if that's you today, and you feel that pruning, and I'm guessing all of us are being pruned in many ways, many ways that we don't even recognize, we can trust that the Lord is actually probably doing many more things than we even ever would imagine. Things we might not ever realize. So, God, He is infinitely loving, wise, good, and always brings about His purposes. He does not cut like a lumberjack going through just to take the tree out. He cuts like a surgeon or a vine dresser, always making intentional movements or allowing intentional movements for the purpose of bringing about greater fruit in your life. We, we need to trust Him for that. See, every cut comes from the loving hand of the Father who works with precision and care to produce much more fruit in your life. We can trust that all things work together for good for those who love God, according to Romans 8, 28. And that we serve a God who restores what the locusts have eaten, according to Joel. That's amazing because locusts were actually the result of Israel's sin in Joel. And yet God still there promises to even restore the fortunes of the people who had losses due to their sins. Like, that's how good God is. Even those ways that you were being cut because of your own uh, stupidity. Is that okay to say here? I feel like it is. Safe place. Uh, I, I do stupid things, so I, I feel like I can say that. And, and those things that we sin against God and we trust that he is able to work those out for our good. And here we see the promise that God cuts us so that we will produce much more fruit. Uh, of course, we know uh, this even because God's son Jesus himself was pierced for our transgressions at the cross. I mean, he's preparing the disciples for that here, right? I'm about to be cut. Know that this is so that I might have more fruit. Well, here, let me just leave you with this quick quote. It's from Horatius Bonner, uh, pastor, hymn writer. He, he wrote a book called Night of Weeping, When God's Children Suffer, and he says this, Over this precious vine the Father watches. That's us. His people. His desire is that the branch of the Lord should be beautiful and glorious, that this vine would yield its fruit in its season. Hence, he not only waters it, but keeps it night and day. He prunes it with the skill and care of a husbandman. He wishes to make each branch fruitful as well as comely, and he spares no pains, for herein he is glorified if we bear much fruit. How much we owe to this heavenly pruning. What rank, luxuriant branches does it cut away? What earthliness, what foolishness, what waywardness, what hastiness, what fleshly lust, what selfish narrowness are all. And one by one, skillfully, he's pruning them away as the vine dresser who carefully wields his knife. 
Brother, I'm going to hand it over to you. You need this? Absolutely. So we've got about 10 minutes, about 10 minutes left. Take them. Kiddos, please uh, head over with, with Dr. Sandy. We've got three doctors in the house. Maybe even more, because I have not talked to everybody today. three quarters of our group um okay anyway so hey verse three verse three we're going to kind of finish up here because uh, it's already it's already a few minutes after 11 um verse three already you are clean he tells them that's weird because of the word that i have spoken to you john 13 10 plays into that and i'll share it with you in a minute clean by the word oh i guess the spoken word i am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. And we learned about I am, the great I am. He's been with his apostles. They've been with him. And there's going to be an indicator that's going to show us, that's going to prove to us, to take part of verse 8 and put it into the context here, prove to us that, that they are born again, regenerated, that they have salvation. Um, here we go as I go forward to that here. What could Jesus be referring to here regarding that they were already clean, that they're already born again, they already have salvation? Check this out. When Jesus was washing their feet and dusty, dirty in, 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 in Jerusalem and Palestine, and uh, so feet washing was important. And it was Peter, it was Peter that says, I didn't wash my whole body. <laughs> and uh, Jesus said to him, hey, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Who was the unclean one? Yes. Say it together. Yes, Judas. That's exactly right. But, but already an indicator that they were clean. How about this evidence? John 15, 2. Look at your checks. John 15, 2 confirms that they were already born again. How do we have evidence of that? How do we have evidence of that? My son-in-law just preached on it. They're producing fruit. They're abiding in the vine and producing fruit. Yes. Great job. Great job. Fantastic. Okay, I've got one more point. Just one more point I want to leave with you and, um, before we close this. Um, as we read on, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself... You ever try to bear fruit by yourself? Like love somebody, but, but, but God's not in it? <laughs> you, know, you know, do something for somebody, but really the Holy Spirit did not prompt you to do that. You wanted to get the self-praise yourself. How exhausting is that? How out of the question awful is that? Not good. Abide in me and in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Again, verse 6. Somebody who's at church, attends church, 
maybe Judas for years, but never says, Jesus, I surrender to you. I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I accept your payment for my sin on the cross. You being sacrificed as my sin payment, because I believe you arose three days later from the grave. If, if we do that, it changes everything. It changes everything. But if we're here, and you go to church and go to church and go to church, but never have had Jesus in your heart, never asked him into your heart to become his child, it says we'll be cut off. Those people will be cut off. They're not born again. They're, they're not producing fruit. They're not abiding because they don't know how because they've not received Jesus. It's like, that just seems so narrow. It's what God's word says. I'm the messenger. I just pray I don't mess it up each week. That's my prayer. And still at that, it's a challenge. But the Lord is good. Hey, this fruit, what's this fruit talking about? What's this fruit talking about? The fruit that is promised for us to produce if we abide in him and he in us. Well, check it out. Check it out. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Check it out. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. No law against these virtues. There's no problem with these attributes. And if you abide in Christ, if you're in Christ and abide in Christ, and that's your worldview, in about five or six weeks, we're going to start talking about worldview. The main worldviews out there. Because if you're not a Christian worldview, you go, I'm not Christian, I just know that. And then you keep talking to me, I can tell you, oh, you, you might be a postmodern, have a postmodern worldview. Oh, you might be a secular humanist worldview. And we're going to go through those because everybody's got a worldview, whether they acknowledge it, whether they tell you overtly or not. Oh, they do. But anyway, what we have as Christians... Is, is, is we can produce this kind of fruit. And you might say, you might say, oh yeah, Don, I've read about those fruits. I've got gentleness. I've got patience. No. Fruit, you've got all of them in Christ. But you know what? They don't just come automatically. I'm born again. Oh, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, oh, thank you for being here. Um, oh, I, I like, well, you're almost cast. I like that. It doesn't come like that. You know how the fruits, you know how these fruits of the Spirit come? They come through trials and practice. You say, I want patience. I want patience, Lord. You're born again. He'll give you situations where you get to practice patience until you get really good at it because you're abiding. You will get good at it. But this is, this is that fruit. You see, life in Christ, it just blesses. It's just better for life. I've tried the world's way. <laughs> Some people I know have tried, yeah, I believe in evolution, that we evolved. I think the people that do that, the scientists that believe in evolution, more so are coming to creationists as creationists as creationists are going to evolution. 
as time goes, we see more and more as God's evidence and his spirit prevails. So finally, look at that vine. Look at that thick, rich vine. Look at the branch. I would say that that's pretty fruitful as a result of abiding in the vine. Pretty fruitful. That text ends with this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Can we have the music people come up as we close? Abide in, uh, abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As Christians, we can't get away from this. As Christians, we can't get away. Look at this. Bear much fruit. We're going to get pruned. We're going to go through aw shucks, hard times. And so prove to be my disciples. Evidence of regeneration. Evidence in your growing in your sanctification. Not to earn your way and be good works to Christ. No, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, not of good works. Grace of God. But then we come and we see it's advantageous to me and my family and to others. If I will abide in Jesus and bear fruit. And over the course of time when I bear more fruit, it's more exciting. It really is more exciting. It sure beats being kicked in the tail by the world. And the things that don't, the people that don't recognize God for anything. So as we play a closing hymn, right now, as a Christian, as somebody who's born again, who's maybe prayed the sinner's prayer already, think about if you want to come to the altar and just, and just rededicate your life. And if you go, no, I'm good, I don't like to move. Okay, that's cool. Maybe you, just, maybe you just want to come forward and receive Christ. Dorothy did it. Dorothy did it. Dorothy's sharing with all of her neighbors now because it's so exciting. If you want to meet Christ, come forward. Talk to myself. Um, I would like my son-in-law to come up if you would please, sir. And uh, to come receive anybody else that can receive some people um, from the church, would you, would you come forward and be ready to talk to somebody? Anybody that would need prayer during this song, just, just move. If you don't move, that's okay too. It's between you and Jesus. Nobody's going to condemn you. We sure aren't. <laughs>